And yeah, I'm going to pray for Smiley as he walks on up. Dear Jesus, thank you for gathering us here today to stand before you and worship you. Lord, I pray for Smiley that his words will be spirit-filled and spirit-guided. Lord, thank you for today and all that you have done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much, Jenna. Happy New Year. Do you know what Adam said to his wife on that first December 31st? It's New Year's, Eve. All right, okay. New Year, same results. Maybe I'll stick to the Bible. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy. And if you don't, bring a Bible. It's God's Word. And um, we're gonna, I'm going to read from 1 Timothy 1. The first two verses, and maybe you didn't notice this, but all the T's in the New Testament are together. Have you ever noticed that? There's Thessalonians and Timothy and Titus. So if you hear a, a, a T book, it's, it's all in there together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Today's message is called, I Want You to Meet My Friend Timothy, and this morning I do want you to meet my friend Timothy. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm hopeful over the next few months he's going to become a real good friend of yours too. And the point of today's message is really verse 2, where he says, my true child in the faith, that Timothy is Paul's true child in the faith. That's what we're going to unpack, that Timothy is Paul's true child in the faith. But before we do that, since it's the first Sunday of a new year, we're going to take some time and look back at 2022, and then we're going to look ahead at 2023. So as we start looking back, I want to thank all of you who are part of our Christmas team, all of you who, who prayed and invited and came and followed up for our Christmas uh, weekend services. Here's what happened last weekend. We had 1,270 people come to our services last weekend, and we had 19 people who professed faith in Christ. And we give God thanks for that. So then as we go farther back from that, uh, last year, or in 2021, we had 21 people who had a chance to win a friend of faith in Christ. And we were really praying that we would double that in, in the new year. And here's what happened last year. We actually went beyond 42. We had 46 people who had a chance to win someone to faith in Christ, and that resulted in more than twice as many people who had been won to faith in Christ of 196. And, and we give God thanks for that. And let me just think we went from 21 to 46, and what I'm praying for this year is that you might be one of those to help us double that, and then it would be 92. Can you imagine the year after that, what would happen? Um, we, we, we helped to plant uh, 24 churches. We heard about that a couple weeks ago from Travis, and we're really excited about There are 24 churches that we've helped plant around the world, and we give God, we give God thanks for that. And I want to thank you, too. Beginning in early January, in early December, I shared with you that we were behind financially and was really praying, and you guys were incredibly generous, and December was a very good month. And we ended up our giving with $2,526,317. So thank you for your generosity in helping us to finish the year strong. Thank you. And, and I want you to know that we're very thankful for the fruit that we've experienced. Because in John 15, 
verse 8, we read, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we're thankful as we look back to see the fruit that, that God really produced in us this year. Something else that happened in 2022 is we want to bear more fruit because there's so many people in our county and in the world who don't know Jesus. So we put together a strategic planning team and we met for about six or seven months and developed a strategic plan that you have a copy of in your seat. So would you please pick this up like you to show you this? This is our plan that we really believe that God has given us to help us bear more fruit in 2023 and the next couple of years. It begins with our purpose as a church, which is to make disciples together. And then as we open it up, there's our vision statement. Here's where we'd really love to go in the next three years. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, Good News Church has become a church with three great loves. Good News loves Jesus because he first loved us and gave himself for our sins. We love to spend time with Jesus and worship together to follow him in all of life and to share him with others. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church that was in love with Jesus? They love to worship him and follow him and tell others about him. That's our dream. That's what we're working for and praying for. Uh, good news loves one another because Jesus first loved us and said we could love him. Uh, we understand that we are both needy and needed in the local church, and we're praying that we would become a church that really loves one another well, that we recognize how much we need the church and the church needs us. And that good news loves the lost because Jesus loved us and sends us into the world as his ambassadors. More and more people are being equipped to win others to faith in Jesus Christ where they live, work, and play. Because there are hundreds of thousands of unreached people in our community and, and we want to be a church that loves them and does everything we can to, to bring them to faith in Christ. So our three-year strategic plan goals are by December of 2025, good news will have made significant progress in achieving the following goals. Culture, we're praying for and working for that we have a culture that is effectively winning, building, equipping, and multiplying, reproducing disciple makers. We want that to be our culture. With leadership, that we have a plan for the ongoing leadership of the church, that uh, both me, that uh, I don't have too many laps left on me, so of having a good succession plan for me and for all of our leadership is part of our, our goals for the next three years. For unity, that good news has um, unity and purpose and strategy for disciple making among church leadership, that we're all doing this together. Engagement, that members are more engaged in the life and ministry of the church, that we want all of our members to understand how important they are in the church. And communication, uh, we have opportunities there that we've improved communication internally and externally. Those are our five goals that we're going to be working on in the, the next three years. And on the back of this, there's our budget for the years. This is what it would cost. We like to make our budget available to people every year so they know what our budget is, but we also like to attach it to a, to a vision. It's not just money. This is what it would cost to, to help us create this kind of church. So what we're going to be doing this year is we're going to start walking through First and Second Timothy and, and later in, into Jonah. Uh, and, and the reason for that is we want to provide you an opportunity for you to follow Jesus and an opportunity for you to grow in your love for Jesus for one another and the lost. And uh, we believe that Jesus is the greatest leader in the world. 
and we're going to learn from him how to lead ourselves and how to lead others and how to be disciples and become disciple makers. Um, if I was to sum up the, the theme of First and Second Timothy, I would think it's to fight the good fight. To fight the good fight. Um, hey, I get to quote Mike Tyson. Is that good? You remember what he said, right? That everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And, and then it all changes. And, and I think as Christians, we've been punched in the mouth a lot recently. And, and I think we're going to learn how to fight the good fight together. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 18, This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. We're, we're going to learn what fights are worth fighting and how to fight the good fight. Again, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, don't get sucked into the wrong fights, but there are fights worth fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So listen, if you would like to follow Jesus and love Jesus and one another in the lost more, come on with us this year. It's going to be a great, great adventure. So, so let's get started. <clears throat> Look at how verse 1 begins of 1 Timothy 1. Paul, he's the author of this book. And notice it says he's an apostle. So what's an apostle? Well, there's a very broad use of an apostle. The word means a sent out one. And there's a sense where all of us are apostles and that we're all sent out with the good news of Jesus Christ to share it with others. But there's a more narrow and technical use of the word, and that's how Paul is using it here. And the apostles were the eyewitnesses, those 12 plus Paul, those 12 eyewitnesses of Jesus after he rose from the grave. And uh, so Jesus rose from the grave, and he appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. Then he ascended into heaven. He poured out the Holy Spirit, and his church was birthed. And then Jesus gave gifts, spiritual gifts, to his children, and some of the gifts that he gave to his church were apostles. And they play a very important role in the life of the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. One of the important questions to ask as a disciple is, where do I belong? And the Bible teaches us where we belong. We belong in His church. We're, we're a part of His church. We're a part of God's family, God's household. Notice next, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. And I know, I know there's a well-known uh, hymn that says that the church's only foundation is, is Jesus Christ our Lord. But the Bible actually teaches that Jesus is the cornerstone that Jesus is the cornerstone, and that the foundation are the writings of the apostles and prophets. First and Second Timothy are part of the foundation for the church. The New Testament is the foundation of the church. So where do you fit in? Jesus is the cornerstone. The apostles and prophets, they're the foundation. Here's where we fit in. Uh, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. We are needy and needed in the local church. We're a part of it. We're members of his body in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Where is church? 
not a building that we are. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us individually, but there's a special way in which the Holy Spirit dwells in His church to work through us so that we can make disciples who make disciples so that our county can be one to Christ. So back to verse 1, Paul, he's an apostle, one of those select few who gave us the New Testament according to the commandment of God our Savior. And that is that God saved God saved Paul, and then he sent him out to preach the gospel. He sent him out to make disciples who could make disciples so that we could be here today and know Jesus. And in the same way, Jesus saves us. And then he gives us a commandment, his great commission, that we would go and make disciples who would make disciples so that the gospel would spread throughout our county and the world. Now, Paul wrote the letter, an apostle, and then it says to Timothy. So the recipient of the letter was Timothy. Notice, my true child in the faith. That Timothy is Paul's true child in the faith. Uh, Paul had no biological children, but he had many spiritual children. And Timothy was one of those. Do you know what his name means? Do you know what Timothy means? It means one who honors God. You see, the Timotheos, that's the Greek form of his name. And you see it right there. You see Timo, which means to honor. And then you see Theos, right? God. So his name means one who honors God. So let me introduce you a little bit to Timothy, okay? Uh, Timothy was from Lystra, a, a city in what would be present-day Turkey. He was mixed racially. He was mixed racially. His mother was a Jew, a believer, and his father was a, a Greek. He, his mother... Eunice and his grandmother Lois raised him, raised him, teaching him about the Savior who was to come. But I want you to know that Timothy lived at a unique time in, in the history of the Bible. I would call it the Continental Divide. The Continental Divide, you know that in our country, right? That you have it out west and all the water west of it flows into the Pacific Ocean. All the water east of it flows into the, into the Atlantic, right? So in the Older Testament, everybody looked forward, like Lois and Eunice, they looked forward to the day when the Savior would be born, and they were saved by their faith in the Savior who was to come. But we live in the Newer Testament, and we look back. We look back to the time Jesus came, and we're saved through our faith in the one who's come. But Timothy was right there. So his mother and grandmother said, the Savior is coming, the Savior is coming. And then in 48 A.D., Paul is on his first missionary journey. And here's where Paul went on the first missionary journey. See where Lystra is that Paul left Antioch and, and he traveled to Lystra, right where the arrow goes. That's where Timothy was and his mother and grandmother. And, and we read about this in Acts chapter 14. Uh, <clears throat> In Acts 14, verse 5, And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they, they tried to kill him in one city. They became aware of it, and they fled to the cities of Lyacana, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. Now, if people just tried to kill you in what city, what would you do when you went to the next city? Maybe you'd be quiet, right? Uh, but, but not Paul. And there they continue to preach the gospel. So Paul comes to Lystra. He preaches the gospel. Timothy hears the gospel, and Timothy believes. And so Paul won Timothy to faith in Christ. And that's why Timothy was Paul's true child in the faith. But what was the gospel? 
what was the gospel that Paul preached? Um, that gospel is, uh, is what we're reading about in 1 Timothy 1. No, what is the gospel? Notice it says that God our Savior. The gospel is that God saves sinners. That God saves sinners. Isn't that good news? Listen, most people believe in religion, and in religion, we save ourselves. Religion says you have to be good to save yourself, but the gospel says, no, God is our Savior. God saves sinners. That's the gospel. But it does have some bad news in it, and that is that we're sinners. Let me show you that. See in verse 2 the word grace. Do you know what grace means? It means ill-deserved or ill-merited favor, that, that we do not deserve God's love. And the reason is because we've all sinned against God. And a sin is a crime against God. We have all committed crime after crime against God. That's why we need grace. It's ill-merited, unmerited favor. Um, it, you see the word mercy? Mercy is God's love shown toward helpless people. So not only are we sinners who are guilty, we are sinners who are helpless to save ourselves. Let me see if I can help you understand the difference between grace and mercy. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for a while we were still, what? Helpless. <laughs> That's why we need mercy, because we're helpless, we're sinners. We cannot save ourselves, even if we tried hard, which we don't. We couldn't save ourselves because we're helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's why we need grace, because we have unmerited uh, ill-merited favor, right? Uh, so, the bad news of the gospel is <clears throat> we've sinned against God. We're sinners. Help us to save ourselves. And notice the other word that Paul uses here is, that, is the word peace. And that means because we had rebelled against God, things were not well between us and God. We rebelled against God. There was hostility between us and God. God is just. And uh, he says the penalty that we deserve for our sin is hell itself, which is separation from God and from all good things. Uh, now, once we understand the bad news that we've sinned, we're helpless, and we deserve hell, then the good news is very good, that God's our Savior, that God saves sinners. And he does it through his Son, Jesus Christ. Did you notice that three times in two verses we read Christ Jesus an apostle of Christ Jesus and of Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus because this book and the whole Bible, he's the main character. It's all about Jesus. And you remember, too, that Christ is not a name. It's a, go ahead, say it. It's a, it's a title. That's his title. Who is he? He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's Christ Jesus. Jesus means Savior. What did we just celebrate at Christmas? We celebrated what? That God became a man. Why? To save sinners. So God put on flesh and came to earth and lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross to save us from our sins. Romans 5, 6. For a while we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, our sins placed on Jesus. He died in our place once and for all. As a man, our substitute, as God, his death would be of infinite value. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare to die, even to die. 
You want to hear the most amazing thing you'll ever hear. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebelling against God, Christ died for us. I'll never forget when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I saw my sin and I saw that Jesus loved me enough even while I was a sinner rebelling against him to die for my sins. Well, Jesus took our sins upon himself and he died in our place, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose from the grave and he offers us salvation as a free gift. And what is salvation? It's we're saved from the guilt of our sin. It's we're saved from the penalty of our sin, which is hell. It's we're saved from wasting our lives because in a life and an eternity are a terrible thing to waste. It's to be saved for forgiveness. It's to be saved to do life with Jesus and eternity with him. And how can we be saved? How do we get this free gift in Romans 10, verse 9? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Do you know what the word confess means? It means to agree with. You're Lord, I'm not. You're big, I'm small. You lead, I follow, right? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart. Do you know what the heart is in the Bible? It's the control center. It's the mind where we have the awareness of our sins. It's the emotion where we, where we have a, a conviction of sin. There's our will where we're moved, that it moves us to do something, that what we know moves us to action. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, to believe in Jesus is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? It starts... When we see our sin and we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry and I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. If you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or when I close in prayer, I'd be glad to help you. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit. We trust him and not us. Jesus, come in and be my savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he will. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, won't you? And if you have, did you hear what it says? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus, thank you that you have saved me from the guilt of sin and from the power of sin. You've saved me from wasting my life. You've saved me from wasting my eternity to experience forgiveness and get to do life in eternity with you. Oh, That's what Paul was reminding Timothy of in 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, grace, grace, enjoy God's grace. Do you? Do you know how often people say, well, smiley, I don't deserve it? How would you reply? Well, of course you don't. That's why it's called what? Grace. And what do we sing about what? Amazing grace, grace. That's why Christians should be the most joyful people because we've experienced grace, mercy, we once were helpless, but when you believe in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit. God moves into us to give us supernatural power, the desire and power to follow Jesus. So when Jesus says, follow me, we want to because we see his beauty. We're not helpless anymore. We've been given the Holy Spirit grace and mercy and peace. Man, don't we long for peace? I know so many Christians and they say, well, smiley, I'm, I'm just not a good Christian. Now I always ask them, well, what's a good Christian? 
What would make you a good Christian? If you've ever wondered that, let me help you get there. In Romans 5, verse 1, I mean, our church is called good news. Don't you like good news? You want some good news? Listen. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See the word justified? That's a more theological term uh, describing salvation. What it means to be justified by faith is Jesus lived a perfect life for us for 33 years. And then he died on the cross for our sins and rose. And so the moment we put our faith in Jesus, all of our sins are placed on him and we're forgiven of all of our sins, past and present and future. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what else happens? His righteousness is given to us. It's imputed to us. We are clothed into his righteousness. So from that moment on, when God the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus and we have peace. Aren't you glad our peace with God isn't dependent upon your performance? It's not. It's based on the performance of Christ for us. Oh, grace, mercy, peace. That's what we get in Jesus. So on Paul's first missionary journey, on Paul's first missionary journey, he goes to Lystra, he preaches the gospel, and Timothy is one to faith in Christ. About three years later, Paul goes on his second missionary journey. And you know what a missionary is, don't you? You know what a missionary is? Well, most people think it's someone who goes to a foreign country. That's not it. You know what a missionary is? He's someone on a mission. A missionary is someone on a mission. So who's a missionary? Every one of us, right? We're either a mission field or we're a missionary, because when we come to know Jesus, he's got a mission for us. He sends us out where we live, work, and play to make disciples, right? We are missionaries. We're representing him, right? So Paul goes on his second missionary journey, and, and here's where he goes. See how he goes a little farther this time? But the first thing that he does is he goes back to the churches he's planted before, and he encourages them. He encourages them. So Paul goes to Lystra, and we find this man, Timothy, named in, first, or in Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, um, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. See, he was mixed racially, but he's a disciple. And what's a disciple? Come on, say it confident. It's a follower of Jesus and, and notice what happened. Uh, Timothy, there was a disciple named Timothy, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. When Paul comes back, they say, listen, this guy was one to faith in Christ the last time, last time you were here. And listen, he's all in. He wants more. He wants more. He wants more. Do people say that about us? Oh, man. They are so thankful to know Jesus. They want more. Wouldn't that be great if that was true of all of us? We were so overwhelmed that Jesus has saved us that we wanted more. That's the kind of person Paul was looking for to disciple. He was fat. He was faithful. He was available. He was teachable. Man, um, Paul, Timothy's just the kind of person you're looking for, right? 
And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. Paul said, come on and follow Jesus with me. Come and follow Jesus with me. And he began to disciple him. Paul wanted this man to go with him. And he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And some of you go, what? I, I thought Paul was so against circumcision. Some of you know the book of Galatians, and, and in Galatians, Paul planted the church. These people come in and say, I mean, Paul's gospel was what? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Isn't that what Paul preached? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And along come the false teachers, and they say what? Jesus plus circumcision equals everything. If you want to be a real Christian, in addition to believing in Jesus, you need to be circumcised. And Paul said, no, no, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Well, what's this? Listen, Paul's not trying to make Timothy more beautiful to God because he has Jesus, he's already, already righteous. What he wants to do is to make Timothy more fruitful in ministry, and he believes if he circumcises him, then he'll be able to work with Timothy to reach Jews and also Gentiles. And so the reason he circumcised him is so that he could bear more fruit. So Paul... He invited Timothy to follow Jesus with him, and he began to disciple him. Because Jesus has a very simple process for making disciples. And Paul followed that, and that's how he began to disciple Timothy. And that's what we're reading about here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. He's following Jesus' model in discipling Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can follow that same process too, just like Jesus did, just like Paul did. And you say, well, what is that process? Well, well that's really our action step for this week. The process that Jesus used was to win and then build and then equip and then multiply. That was Jesus' simple process that Jesus would win lost people. And then Jesus would build believers. And then Jesus would equip, equip workers. And then he would multiply disciple makers. He would send them out. He would send them out. I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but in the study every month, it's right there in the beginning. The process of Jesus is there to remind us that Jesus' process was to win the lost and then to build believers, and then to equip workers, and then to multiply disciple-makers. That's the culture that we're seeking to develop at, at Good News. So what Paul did was he did what Jesus did. He, he won Timothy to, to Christ, and then he built him, and then he equipped him, and then he multiplied him. He sent him out to do the same, and we can do that. We can win people to Christ just like Jesus did and just by Paul did, by sharing the gospel with people. You hear it every week, the bad news and the good news and inviting people to respond. Uh, we've put it together for you in a booklet that you can read to someone, to read to someone. I know you say, I hear the gospel every day. I could do that in my sleep, and you can. That's why I'm doing it for you, because you can do it. We can win people just like Jesus did. And we can build people just like Jesus did and Paul did. We can build people just like Paul did here to build them up in grace, mercy, and peace. And then, and then we can equip workers the same way Jesus did and the same way Paul did so they can join us in the mission. 
And then we can multiply just like Paul did and Jesus did by sending them out to reproduce themselves in the lives of others. Isn't that what Paul did? Didn't he simply reproduce his life in the life of others? Isn't that what he meant when he said, my true child in the faith? Wouldn't you like to learn how to reproduce yourself in the life of others? You can, you know. You really, really can. Oh. Imagine one year from today, December 31st, 2023. Uh, it's going to be a Sunday. We're going to gather together on the, on the last Sunday of the year, and I'm looking forward to that. And what I'm longing for is that we'll have even more fruit to celebrate at the end of this year than we did last year. Because we read, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Wouldn't you love to have much fruit to celebrate at the end of this year? I mean, imagine if each of us in here was willing to say today, Lord, help me to win one person to you this year. Would you make that your prayer? One person. 365 days. Lord, help me to win one. I mean, imagine the 46 last year became 92 this year. Can you imagine that? Imagine what would happen the next year if we simply said, Lord, help me to win one person. And then what if we said, Lord, that person I win, help me to build them. Help me to build them. And then, Lord, help me. Help me to equip them, Lord. And then, and then help me to multiply me. Help me to send them out so they could do the same in the lives of others. Um, wouldn't you like to see what would happen? We can do it. We can do it. You know how I know we can do it? Because verse 1 says, Jesus is our hope. That Jesus is our hope. And, and what does the Bible say? That with Jesus, what? With Jesus, what? All things are possible. So are you like Timothy? Would you like more this year? Would you like more? Would you like to grow in your love for Jesus? to grow in your love for one another, to grow in your love for the lost? Would you, would, you, would you like to learn how to be a disciple? Would you like to learn how to be a disciple maker? Would you? Um, if you'd like to, I want to invite you. I, I'm, I'm recruiting people now so that starting in February, we have a place, we have a place and a way to equip you so that at the end of this year, you would be amazed at the progress you've made because someone has built into you and helped you learn how you can win and build and equip and multiply so you can go and do the same. So if you'd like to become a disciple and you'd like to become a disciple maker, I'm going to ask you after, after we close in prayer, if you would just write that on the Connect card, put on there, hey, smiling, I'd like to. I'd like this year to be the greatest year in my walk with Jesus. I'd like this to be the year that I'm equipped to learn how to win and build and equip and multiply because I'm tired of sitting in the same place. I want to move. And we will do everything we can to help you bear much fruit and bring glory to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came and lived that perfect life for us and died on the cross in our place and rose and offers us salvation. Listen, if you've never been saved, won't you be saved because one day it'll be too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and be my Savior. And forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. 
Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've, if you've prayed that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card and put it in the box? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who've received you, that all of us where we are would say, Lord, I want to reach one. Help me to reach one. Will you pray that? Lord, help me this year. Help me to build one. Lord, help me this year to equip one. Lord, help me this year to multiply one. Lord, I want to bear fruit for your glory. Listen, if, if that's your prayer, won't you mark that on the card? And we'll do everything we can this year to equip you to be a reproducing disciple of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.